are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Why is it that God seems to pick places to shower down His blessing? We've had in these 44 years now, 19,000 people follow the Lord in believers' baptism, just short of it. We have seen 81,000 people walk the aisles of our church one-on-one to be led to Jesus Christ. Now, why did that happen here and maybe not somewhere else? And by the way, I'm not taken away at all from the average church size in America is under 40. There are preachers that are great men of God that I'd like to become like them that are stuck back in some holler and some back thicket that are faithful men of God Why is it that we'd have 81,000 people? Why is it that we've been able to run buses for 44 years? We've purchased buses, purchased buses all over the country, brought them here, and and brought nearly a million and almost 1.5 million kids to Sunday school. How does that happen? How does it happen that God gave us a, an amazing Christian school at the other property. About 170 people are out serving the Lord in full-time Christian service as graduates, as pastors and missionaries and servants of the Lord. We have about that many adults in this church that grew up there. Now their children or their grandchildren in that same school where they attended. How is it that God, nearing now a quarter of a century ago, gave us a Bible college? Brother Burcham, you're one of the professors there. It's an amazing thing. How is it that when the internet was in instituted and established, when we came here, no cell phones, no mobile phones. But God now lets us go to about 100 countries every service. Well, why is that? Because we're so special? No, the Jews asked that same thing of themselves. It wasn't because they were so special. Now, I'm not trying to de- degrade myself. I went to college, but I never studied to be a preacher because I knew I could not do that. I got a Bible degree and a music degree, but I knew I could never be a preacher. I'd get nervous and stammer and stutter. I didn't know how they could find all that in the Bible. And so was it the pastor who really honestly has a love for God and a hard work ethic, but I have zero talent to give to God. I'm not talented as a singer, as a musician. I don't know how to use a computer. And I'm not degrading who I am. But it wasn't the pastor. How, how, did, 
How did God choose this place? How did that happen? It's one word. It's our final 14th message in this series. I want you to see in verse number 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and this is speaking of the church there at Jerusalem, and great grace was upon them all. What is grace? We've discovered it's unmerited favor, undeserved favor. I don't know why, but God looked at the Silicon Valley when it wasn't the Silicon Valley. Ms. Treber and I came here, and it was called Santa Clara Valley, still the Santa Clara County. But Silicon had nothing to do with this. These were orchards out here 44 years ago. When you got to First Street, drove here to Montague, what was an expressway? You turned left on First Street, you went out about a half a mile, and from there to 237, it was gravel road. There, there wasn't Apple computer yet around, or Yahoo, or Google, all these things, these engines that you see. Uh, there wasn't these, uh, we didn't even have pagers yet. I remember we moved in that little building on Clyde Avenue. It's since been torn down. It was just a little A-frame building. And I can recall that there was a telephone in there, 241-4745 was the number. But we didn't know where it was ringing from. And no one would call us, and so when someone called, I'd run. I'd say, I think it's come from over here. It took me about a week to figure out where. You said, well, why don't you just pick up your mobile phone and call it yourself? There wasn't a mobile phone. Well, why don't you have your wife call from the house? Because she was always at the church working. I mean, good night. I hired her, full-time secretary, and junior church. She worked all the children. And I said, look, if the offerings are good, we'll give you $25 a week. I think I probably abused her, but nonetheless, God used it. It was grace, undeserved favor. Brother Poussin, one day we get to heaven, we're going to figure out why God says, I'm going to pour out my favor on a place in Santa Clara, California. I recall when my aunt moved here in 1953 in Santa Clara by the Moonlight Shopping Center. They have some little, uh, uh, little homes back there they built in that year. As she moved there, we would make the trip from Centerville, which is now Fremont. We'd make the trip. It was a trip. Well, now you just drive up the road. You're there in 10 minutes. We'd make the trip to Santa Clara about once a month to see her and see my uncle. And out here where Dell Computer is, there was the chicken, uh, chicken farm. And we'd go out there, and, and we'd get uh, dairy, and we'd get our, uh, some of the milk there. We'd get eggs there all the time. And I look at this swamp land, and I said, what a piece of junk. Who would ever buy land in Santa Clara, California, out in this region? It would flood. What a fool I was. I wish I'd bought the whole area. Why did that happen? Why did it happen that God... 44 years ago today, with a church that did not own one psalm book, had not one matching offering plate, had 
three different communion sets given to us that we matched together and tried to merge them together. We didn't have a choir. We didn't have a sound room. We didn't have, we didn't have a sound system. How is it that God took us from there to here? One word, his grace. This church was experiencing grace. Notice in verse 32, and teenagers and young people, you're listening, kids back there, God bless you. I don't know if you really understand all that's going on here, but this is your church. Some of you junior age bus kids, one day you're gonna stand right here, young man, and she's gonna stand right here in a white dress, and you might have your wedding here. Wouldn't that be something? You might be sitting next, no, you're not sitting next to the girl, but nonetheless, Look what happened, the multitude of them that believed. There was a multitude of people. There was many people. This has never happened in Santa Clara before. And it's happening in the Silicon Valley, a church like this, and it's all of his grace, it's all of, and, and they had one heart. They were a unified people. Most churches are not going forward. And ours has to be constant under surveillance of the fact that if we, if we lose the unity of heart, we'll destroy the church. And notice they had all things come and they loved one another. They had verse 33 had the power of God. And verse number 33 at the latter part, they had great grace. I want you to take your Bibles and turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter one. You know, it's an amazing thing when a church experiences the grace and the blessing of God. But here it is, and I won't be long. I've witnessed in my life now where churches lose the grace of God. They don't lose their salvation. We've seen so many subjects of grace. But I think of places where I've preached in these many years I've pastored this church all over this country and even outside of this country. And sometimes I've preached a crowd one night of about 8,000 people and I've preached different places of thousands of people. And many of those places now are exactly nowhere. They're extinct, they're gone. The church buildings sit empty. The largest church in America back in the 30s and 40s and 50s, I stood right there, I was preaching at their college institute that was left, the only thing that was left, and that great, great, great church in Texas that had thousands upon thousands, the pastor was advisor to all the United States presidents during World War II and prior to that and after that. It was an amazing place. And I stood there and those big buildings that were once filled were completely razed to the ground, completely destroyed, and glass skyscrapers were in their place. It was a place that people would hear the choir of 200 voices sing, and then hear people see, watch people coming down the aisle and get saved. You know, most places I preached 44 years ago, maybe it's my preaching that did it, I'm not sure, are out of business. And 40 years ago, and have changed, and some have become nightclubs. What a tragedy as we see. You know, a church can lose the touch of God. You know, a life can lose the touch of God. Saul did. God, God says, all right, I'll put my blessing on you, King Saul. 
And then he said, just a few chapters later, I've had to reject you. He, he didn't reject him as his child. He rejected him in his position, what he had. You know, there's a man by the name of Gehazi. Uh, God had to withdraw his power. There's a man that Lot, who was a righteous man, a godly man, but he set his tent in the wrong direction. And he moved his family in the wrong direction. And God said, all right, you're still mine, but I'm taking my power, my blessing, my favor off your life. Every man here that's a, responsible for a family, you ought to, ought to be very careful. I ought to be very careful. All of our kids are serving God. Two of our sons are preachers. In Southern California and Arizona, our son-in-law here is our principal of the Christian school and one of the most godly men I've ever met. But what happens the day that all of our 14 grandkids and all of our children and all their mates reject God? What happens if my wife passes away and I'm left here by myself? By the grace of God, only by his grace, and maybe the favor's not there, but I still want to be faithful to God, faithful unto death. Here's a church, the church at Corinth. Uh, they had such blessing on God. God, God gave them everything. Look what it says in chapter one, verse seven. So that you come behind, you come behind and no gift waiting for the coming of God. God said to this church, he said, Brother Martinez, I'm going to put, I, it's no church that ever had all these things. He said, I'm, I, you come behind and no gift. I'm pouring everything out on you. And I've watched people that had all the blessing of God because of sin or because of pride or because of arrogancy or because of getting weary in the battle. They gave it all up. And the blessing of God was removed from the family. Sir, you're a patriarch of the home. I'm gone, my wife is, she's the, the head, she says, she still is, she's, she, she sets the atmosphere for all the grandkids. I hope as they're now, one turned 17 yesterday. I hope as they grow older in life, they recognize there's a lady in the family that they ought to seek her approval and her blessing and her instruction in their life. Those kids have been given so much. This church, God, for some reason, opened the faucet up in heaven. They said, let me pour out the blessing of God. I mean, good night, God gave us you. I've restrained myself all morning. I could just sit up here and weep. I've, 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 I've wept here and there, and I keep saying, get control right now. Don't lose it. I see you singing, and I watch you sitting there, and I watch you listening. This morning, I see you bus kids and all you dear people. Oh, it's just such a good thing that God gave you to us. He opened a spigot and said, I'm going to give you this family right here. I'm going to give you this couple right here. I'm going to give you this single man, this single lady. I'm going to give you this senior saint. I was talking to Floyd this morning. He sings in the choir. He said, Pastor, this summer I got saved, saved 70 years ago. You know what? That When God gave us old Floyd and his precious wife, Shirley, he just said, I'm going to open up a spigot and blast the North Valley Baptist Church. This church right here at Corinth came behind in nothing but they threw it away.
how they became contentious. Look what it says there in chapter 1. In verse number 10, I beseech you, I beg you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing, that to be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For there have been declared unto me of you, brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are, some, there are contentions among you. Paul says, I can't believe from Chloe's house, they tell me these things. The report has come back. The email has come to my office. The apostle Paul says, that I hear there's contention in the church. Our dear sweet friend, Mike Flint, had brain surgery yesterday. He's had the liver transplant. We're about the same age. My wife and I have been praying at night for Brother Mike and his wife, Joy, is one of our faculty members of the college. And they took that pressure off that brain yesterday, the bleeding of the brain. And my wife, after prayer one night this week, or a couple nights, we started talking about it, and we prayed together. And she said, that family has never one time ever, ever given us a moment of grief. Not a time. Not one time. They've never been part of contention. I got through, I got, we're going through my deacons and thank God, Brother Van Dyke, I start with you, wherever you are, I see you, family somewhere. And my chairman, my deacons, oh, I remember the night 40 some years ago, his wife got saved and went their home. My wife and I were there. And you know, they've never one time, and that's the vast majority of God's people here. It made this journey so easy. There's also every day a contentious spirit somewhere. Dear preacher, you know the name, big name preacher, large church, been there years. We were talking this week, he said, Brother Trevor, I'm not quitting on God. But he said, I, I, I just can't, I just can't keep going through this. The bickering, the fighting, same church decades I've been. And the carnality and the people, they're just fighting and feuding. They stand against us and they hurt and they, they wound and the things they do and say, I can't get over it. Preacher called me the day before that. And he said this week, and he said, I, I'm just so tired of it. I don't know it's because we're last days, but everybody seems like they have a problem. They're fighting, they're upset, they're angry, they're bitter, they're leaving the church, they're quitting this. I, I'm, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm not gonna be, a, I'm not gonna be an usher anymore. And it's like a, a daycare. You wanna know why the faucet's been opened? Because predominantly God's people have minded their own business. I'm so grateful when people come and maybe they're a part of a church and their church is compromised and they don't any longer preach like they used to preach and they come here and, and normally I've not had a problem with them. They just come in and they're godly people. But I have a problem when people leave the other place and they come here and they don't have good things to say of a family member or of a pastor or a church and I'm always smiling. I watch it because I hear, hey man, praise the Lord, this is the greatest place. And I say, guess what? 
it won't be for very long because somewhere in the law, you have a, you have a root problem back here with your dad, with your mother, with your brother, with your sister, with your sister-in-law, with your brother-in-law, with a pastor, with a church, and because you didn't deal with it there, you're not going to swap off, get a new wife and change the problem. They had contention. They had all this grace, all these gifts, but contention's gonna move it, remove it. I see, secondly, they had carnality, chapter three. And you know what he says there, carnality is flesh. Brother, I could not speak unto you of spiritual. He's saying this church had got all these gifts, but as uncarnal, as under carnal, even babes in Christ. Verse three, you're carnal. Verse number four, he asked the question, the last part of the word, are you carnal? He said, it just seems like you, you're just all about the flesh. This church is church. This is not the nightclub. This church. Hymns and songs and spiritual songs, the Bible says. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. God said that. Thank God for the Christmas play we'll have and the music play, we'll have, musical we'll have and all that, but there's gonna be preaching with it, friend, and there'll be leather lung preaching, there'll be an invitation, and we're not gonna do away with what God has commissioned this church to do. God has not chosen the foolishness of plays and musicals, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Why we have sports teams for the ladies and men and the schools, thank God for it. But we don't make a big deal out. I want you to enjoy it. But our big thing is not what we do with sports around here. It's what we do behind this pulpit, preach the word of God and serve God. That church allowed carnality to come in. And now in this moment when we live, Brother Russ, as a youth pastor, you know, we, we, see, we see carnality through internet coming into churches. You don't like it here, then all of a sudden just look to, to somebody that agrees with you. And now here's what I believe. Find a man of God somewhere there. If it's not me, find somebody who's a man of God who will say, thus saith the Lord, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and like Daniel said and like Ezekiel said, and stand for righteousness and fight for righteousness. Carnality. I think for the sake of time, I'll close it down with the third thing, they, why they lost it all. Corruption. Look in chapter 5, and verse number 1. They started stealing from God. They kept back, they sold something, they kept back a price. Look at chapter 7. In chapter, chapter 5, uh, of First Corinthians, it's reported, chapter five, verse one, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you. First Corinthians five, one. God, God said, you know, Tabitha, he said, I'm gonna open the spout. But then the church began to have division and contention. Pride, they were puffed up, he keeps using that word. And then they had carnality. And the spout, they, get, they got everything. And now they have corruption. The church was filled with immorality, fornication, adultery. Incest is in this book, 1 Corinthians. Boy, it began to have a 
relationship with his own mother, sin. It seems like we live in a day that anything goes. It may be that way in the world. But oh, may we fight to keep this place as God desired. Keep thyself pure. And stop being the policeman for everybody else. Keep yourself pure. He says in chapter number seven, if you'll turn there. Chapter number seven. Chapter six, they're going to law once against one another. Chapter seven, it's a good thing for a man not to touch the woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. He speaks about not defrauding one another in verse five, husbands and wives. Don't withhold your relationship with your husband or your wife. Don't, 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 don't make him suffer. Don't make her suffer in that physical union. But this church was out of bounds. Young people, as I close today, you have been so perfect. You children back there. But parents and adults, I want you to know, somehow, some reason, some way, God opened the spigot. As he did the church at court, they gave him every gift. I don't know why it was just the grace. I don't, God, he, he could have chosen another city, another state. And I'm not saying we're the only place, but God just did something here. That night I was voted in. Miss Trevor was here, Tish was there. Doc told me this morning he, he was visiting for his very first time. Chet Roberts had knocked on his door that week and he, he came. There's only 22 people here counting the nursery. You know, the vast majority, many of those are dead now and they've passed away. But God began to pour out his blessing. That 22, and I remember we get ready for our 10th month. And I said, we don't have any space. But let's go for a big day of 400. And we had 450. And the next year before we were two, we had 779. And the next year after that, we had 1,081. And then within just a few years, we had 5,505 on one Sunday. 1,268 people got saved on one Sunday, one-on-one. -on -one. I'll never forget that day we, we had the, in the park here, the feeding to the 5,000. It was incredible. We gave them McDonald's hamburgers. The city called me the next day. I guess the rule is you're supposed to have like 50 people to 100 people at the most over there. With their, I didn't know that. They said, did you have more than 100 people or more than 50, whatever the number? I said, I think we did. <laughs> I remember the man, it was, I believe, Earl Carmichael. He's with the Lord. He was a, a city park director. He was saved, man. Didn't come, did not come to church, but he was talking to me. He goes, well, pastor... We're going to have to be careful over there. Because, and I, tell, I got so scared to death. I, I thought over at the old Clyde Avenue, we had one acre, all 5,505 on it. I thought, if we, what are we going to do? If their ambulance needed to get in here, there's no way to get in. And so we began to divide the days up. We've experienced God's blessing. 
I could tell you, I could tell you stories for the rest of the day of building a building over there and we ran out of money. We were just raising money every week and that year was 1981 when it was just pouring down rain so much we couldn't keep ahead of it. I'll never forget I went to the church on a Wednesday night. We were meeting in a tent for two years, a tent, not one parking stall, and we kept growing. Why God poured out the blessing. And I said to the church, I said, I've got to raise, I think it was $10,000. got to raise, and that was a lot of money in 81. It's a lot of money today. I said, they've got to, I got to, and the offering was about zero. We were tapped out of money. And a man I could not identify if I saw him right now. He said, will you be here in the morning? I said, I will. I was standing out in the rain under a light with a couple of deacons when he came up. I never saw him the next morning. I never saw him before. I never saw him since. But he brought a bag with all that money. I don't know if he robbed something. I don't know where he got it. I have no idea. I could not point him out in a million years. I thought, you know, that's just God. I watched the city when they voted us down to build every building, voted down every one, and turned the thing around normally within two to three weeks later and voted unanimous every single time. This building was voted down. Those dormitories were voted down. That, that commons gymnasium, dining hall was voted down. This property used as a church was voted down. The three-story building over there was voted down. The auditorium was voted down. And yet every single one has the city approval. For some reason. And my wife would be the same. Don't, don't look at us. It's not us. Oh, she's the most amazing lady I've ever seen. And the staff and those faculty members and staff that are here, they, we don't want, we, they don't want you to look to them. But for some reason, God said, I'm going to favor you, this church, with a man of God. And he gave us Brother Poussin and Brother Bertram and Brother Martinez and he gave us Brother Flood and he gave us Brother Reamers and he gave us Brother Russ and all the employees and all the staff and all the workers and he gave us all the bus workers and all the drivers and all the captains and all the Sunday school teachers and the choir and the orchestra and the sound men and the video people and the security people and the ushers and the nursery workers and God just kept giving us people and gave us students in the school. Oh, and God gave us a college and God gave us a college campus. God did it all. Not because, as he said to the Jews, it's not because you are special, but he is. For some reason, he opened up the spout of blessing called grace. You pray for me. You pray for my wife that I'd not be the one that would start to close it down. You pray for our godly deacons that they would not be one like the, the, the church at Corinth, they, they had the, the best of all the gifts and they lost it all. And Paul said, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal. You've lost it. I think of some of those places I've preached. And now they're empty. I think of that great city of Chattanooga, Dr. Lee Robertson, Pastor there all those years and over 4,000 Bible college students, the whole entire downtown region. And then he got too old to pastor, and the next guy came. 
and they're all empty buildings today. Every dormitory, the gymnasium, a 7,000-seat auditorium, the other auditorium, it's all empty. The radio station, it's empty. The music building, it's empty. The Charles Weigel Music Hall, empty. The educational building's empty. I think of Pontiac, Michigan, Dr. Tom Lone. What a man of God. He preached the opening service of our college, Golden State Baptist College Institute, before a college. The building sits empty today. Someone preached at youth conference. They went back because they went to school there and looked inside the building and they saw Dr. and Mrs. Malone's picture painting that was just sort of thrown on the floor in the lobby and it's just a ghost town today. Oh, he was the prince of preachers and he went home to be with the Lord and things changed. I'm telling you, the spigot has gone off. I think of a church in Ohio that I went to and I think of how the beautiful, beautiful properties, and, and it's gone. All over America, all over America, the blessing of God, the grace of God was there. But somehow the people, like at this church, and sometimes the pastor, not these men I mentioned, shut her down. Before we have prayer, thank you for being here for Anniversary Sunday. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.